again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. This is episode 129. As always, the Red and White Authority is brought to you by Labatt Blue. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings. Whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, it's always the right time to cozy up with a nice, cold, frothy Labatt Blue. Have a good time, but remember, we always ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly, and uh, our guest on episode 129 of the Red White Authority podcast, I consider him a buddy. I've known him a long time. I've known him longer than uh, almost anybody I know in the Detroit media, for sure. Uh, that is uh, recently retired and now uh, part of the Red Wing uh, hierarchy, part of the Red Wing organization. Of course, it's Nicholas Cromwell, and uh, Nick, thanks for doing this. I, it, it's been a while, and... I really appreciate you uh, taking time out. The red and white game just concluded here in Traverse City. And uh, I, I guess, how are you acclimating to life without hockey? You're in Traverse City, but you're not playing. Yeah, no. First of all, thanks for having me on. Um, like you said, we go we go way back. Uh, well, it's different, definitely different uh, this time around. Usually you're, you're gearing up for the season and making sure you're in tip-top shape and whatever. Um, so it's a little bit different that way, uh, watching instead of being on the ice. Uh, but it's been fun seeing a different side of things. Is it too soon not to miss it, or do you miss it, or do you still? Was there a moment during when you were here in Traverse City where you said, "Maybe I'm going to call Steve and say, let's let's give it one more shot." No, to be honest with you, I think that the moment when I you know took the the final decision, ever from that moment, I've kind of moved on uh, I feel like it's in the past uh, I miss the guys uh, more than anything uh, of course you miss competing as well but uh, I'm in a good place how difficult was it to make the final decision I mean we you know the the old you know I have to look in the mirror and I have to just be honest you know Nick you know there's always going to be a will I'm you know, even when I'm 80 I'm still going to be a hockey player but it's time to move past the uh, you know my professional career well, I think it was two-sided. Uh, in a way, it was extremely hard because, of, you know, it's what I've been doing for so long. Uh, you know, I've known how my next years ahead of me were, were always going to look the same way. Um, you know, when the season ends, uh, you take some time off and you get into training and, and you get ready. Everything looks the same. When you get into season, everything looks the same. Uh, so. For the first time, things will be very different. Uh, I'll be able to spend some more time with the kids and uh, see them a lot more than I have. Um, so it was hard in the sense that what am I going to do now, so to speak? How is the, the future going to look? But it was also an easy decision because I, I felt like it was time. When you uh, – was it – the pictures of you with your with your boys at at, uh, at Little Caesars and how into it and they're seeing you and you're so happy, is it was it difficult to tell them because they're so young? Do they do they know that you know Dad's not going to be a Red Wing anymore? Or? No, I don't know if they've really figured that part out yet. Uh, you know, we'll see how it is when 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 we all go down there together and. and you know, I'll be sitting with them instead of being on the ice. Uh, <laughs> they missed the locker room, though. I know that for sure. <laughs> uh, what has this process been like here this week? Have you Are you just more observing, trying to fill a role yet, or just you know, kind of figuring out exactly what you want to do? Yeah, I think it's more uh, to the latter, uh, trying to take everything in, uh, take in as much as possible, listen a lot, um, and just be around and see things and try to learn everything from from the different side of of, uh, of the game what has uh, impressed you about uh, being up here in Traverse City have there's been specific players or or are you more looking at uh, you think they're adapting to the Red Wing style of play especially the prospects tournament where uh, that was really some high-end hockey and uh, you know the Red Wing prospects came back in four all four games to, to actually win the tournament uh, just your initial thoughts of uh, what's been transpiring here in Traverse City well I think the I think the kids did great uh, I was up here for the last two days uh, just with the, the, the passion and, and um, how they play the game, how they handle themselves uh, on the ice was, was very impressive. Like you said, they came back in all four games uh, and just showed some character. You know, They haven't been playing together for, for very many games, but it definitely felt like they had a strong bond to each other. They were working as a team already, and I think that definitely uh, – 
transpired on the ice. So I was surprised and, and happy to see that. You know, obviously you're one of the premier defensemen. Uh, I, I think, you know, part of, you're one of that core group of when they look at the generation that you played in, you're definitely right up there with, uh, with the very best. Uh, it looks like, and I think that everybody is trying to temper their enthusiasm for Moritz, or as he likes to be called, Mo Sider. Uh, uh, I, I thought in the red and white game he kind of amped it down a little bit. It really aggressive in, in the prospects tournament. Uh, your initial thoughts on him, and do you think God maybe I should have stayed another year, maybe to uh, to mentor him? Although you can mentor him right now. I mean, obviously. Well, I think we got some some veterans on the team that's going to help him along just fine. Um, I was impressed. I uh, hadn't seen him before. Um, big guy, but plays very mature still at a young age. Um, I think there's a lot to be optimistic and enthusiastic about. Um, but you know, he's, we have to remember that he's, he's 18 or 19. So uh, he's going to be, I think he's got a great chance to become a very, very, very good player for a long time. When someone is that young and you've played in the NHL for, you know, 953 games, uh, what what is going to be the most difficult transition, do you think, for him? Because he, you know, he played in the DEL, you know, he played against men, he's rookie of the year there. Uh, he's been able to acclimate himself to any level that he's played in, but this is obviously the greatest uh, hockey league in the world. Well, I think uh, there are a few things that are they're going to show not maybe not initially uh of course uh he played against men over there in germany but smaller ice so the angles are way different uh, how you got to play uh position is different uh but i think he handled himself great i thought he stood out big time in the in the rookie tournament uh and i think he's done a very good job so far i think one of the things that that's going to be interesting to watch is you know, they, they play, what, 50 games over there? Right. Uh, I mean, now you're coming in to play in 82, plus preseason games, uh, and you don't have the breaks that you have over in Europe where you have, you know, every six weeks or so, there's a national team break. Uh, you don't have those breaks here where you get a chance to kind of catch your breath a little bit and then get back to work. Everything goes nonstop, traveling left to right. You know, it's not four hours on the bus. You're 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 traveling quite a bit more than you what he's used to. When you... Uh came over from North America and we're going to get into that story a little bit later here but uh, uh, when you first came over and I know you spent some time in Grand Rapids we always hear about the large sheet in Europe opposed to the smaller sheet here in North America how long did it take you to adjust until you were comfortable or is that at times overblown because you're hockey players and you adapt to all different situations? Uh, I think you adapt to all situations but some take longer than others uh, to adapt uh, I definitely wasn't good enough to play right away. Um, I needed to work on my game on the smaller ice, uh, and it took me some time. I, it's hard for me to say exactly how long it took, but it took me definitely some time to adjust and, and feel comfortable on the smaller ice. Is it, is, is it time and space? I mean, you, you think, we always hear, well, the, the wide open spaces, you know, big sheet, it's a wide, more wide open game. Yet, when you talk to players that have to make the adjustment, they talk about the pace and the speed on the smaller sheet is much different than the larger sheet. Is that, is that really the biggest difference? Uh, yeah, time and space. I mean, the over here, the puck's being shot. As soon as someone has a step, they shoot in the shooting the puck. Right. Every chance they have. Uh, so there's a, the game is very different. Uh, so you got to play the angles, got to play the position a lot different, um, and you got to be quicker in everything you do. When you uh, when you came over here, and and you were starting to play, and then you eventually became a, a, a Red Wing. Uh, you were known, obviously, for the you know the, the term being Cromwalled, and uh, I, and I know at times you're you're kind of not uncomfortable, but I, you know it's just part of your game. I, I I get the feeling, or I've always gotten the sense over the years that you can't believe people are so into that <laughs> that you know it's just an aspect of the game. Uh, I don't know if you're embarrassed about it, but. Uh, what goes through your process? Let me ask it to, to you this way when you line somebody up? I mean, I, I don't think you go out there and you're headhunting, certainly. Is it just when opportunity presents itself, you're just going to take the shot? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it You know, those occasions, 
players are so smart nowadays and the game is a little bit different. Uh, it's not too often that people put themselves in, in bad positions like that. Uh, what goes through, I mean, you, you, you know, everything goes so fast out there. You just see an opportunity to make a hit and you step up and usually it works out okay, but you've been burned along the way also where it ends up with a two-on-one and the puck goes in the net the other way. So that's not a very good feeling. Um, so that's something also that you know, you learn along the way when to when to step up and when not to. It seemed, and you know, it, it, I don't think I, I saw every you know major hit that you've ever delivered. But the thing that I always found fascinating about that, and, and I could be wrong, and I know you'll tell me, but it didn't seem the the opposition almost respected you for it. I mean, there wasn't a lot of retaliation. I don't remember guys really coming after you uh, after you laid somebody out. I mean, that's kind of just a hockey play I mean I don't know yeah no you're right I, I was f fortunate <laughs> I guess <laughs> to not get into too much trouble uh, but at the same time there were a few times or quite a few times I was lucky to be on the ice you know with, with the Big E and Abby a few times and Stewie back in the day oh, so yeah. I've been on the ice with, with some big guys that have, that have been close by yeah, um there's so many things that I want to ask you, but you transitioned to the NHL game. In the beginning, I can remember when I was part of the Red Wing Radio Network, I think it was in Los Angeles, you're coming off the ice after the pregame skate, and you caught a rut or something on a blue line uh, and tore up your knee, I think it was. And they're sitting there going, yeah, Cromwell's hurt, but we don't know how. There seemed to be a point early on where you just couldn't catch a break. I mean, not that you ever felt that I'm going to give it up, but how difficult was it for you to have some pretty major injuries happen to you at the beginning of your career? Well, I don't know if I ever really thought about it. Uh, there's definitely, you know, some freakish things that happened over my first, especially the first three, four, five years. Right. Uh, no doubt about it. And I'm sure a lot of people on the outside question if I could stay healthy. Um, but I think every time you every time you get hurt, and every time you go through a rehab process, you learn something new about yourself. Uh, and I don't know. I think that's also formed me into who I am today. You know what? What did you learn about yourself? Well, I think that just the fact that like you have to work hard. And I think the biggest thing for me was every time you get hurt, you know, what can I do today to set myself up? Uh, better for tomorrow uh, and that's something I always try to go by what can I do today to put myself in a better spot for tomorrow when, uh, when yeah. you look back and you you, you know it's, it's so new and it's, it's, it's so reflective um, I wasn't there unfortunately uh, for your retirement press conference down at Little Caesars Arena I, I've seen it on video I'm real curious what's going through your mind as you're driving there to announce that you're no longer a player yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There were a few days there that were pretty emotional, no doubt. Um, and it was, it was, you know, different, very different than from any other time that I've driven down there. A uh, million thoughts went through my mind. But I don't know if there's anything that really stood out. Um, you know, I'm just glad that the guys weren't around. That would have been even tougher. When you, when, when you walk in, and, you know, and I've been in, you know, I haven't been in, you know, the, the, the lavish uh, area. I mean, the, the Joe certainly had its personality uh, as far as the room. But, you know, the, the, the accommodations that the Red Wings have now, is, is, I'm sure it's second to none. Um, do you go in and do you savor it a little bit more? Do you look at where your stall used to be and do you have a moment where you just reflect or you look at the pictures on the wall or as you said it's everything is just flashing by at that point yeah more like everything at the same time uh once i get in there though i you know it was fine uh got a little emotional at times but you know i'm i'm, I was, I'm glad those two days are over with you know Every athlete that retires, they all say, I'm not going to cry or I'm not going to get emotional and all that. And you said you were emotional. How, how difficult was it for you not to, you know, get the, is the old expression, the old waterworks going? Well, you know, you, <laughs> you, you, you know, you take some pauses and, and try to regroup. 
Um, but it's, you know, you know, it's something that you care so much about uh, and that you've cared so much about for so long. And, and now it's, you know, you're not going to do that same thing uh, ever again. So there's a lot, a lot of emotions. When you were asked about Ken Holland, obviously the general manager for 23 years here in Detroit, uh, you know, built this team, saw obviously something in you. Uh, very special person. I think we all miss him, and certainly we're all, you know, ecstatic that Steve's back, of course. But uh, can you talk about that relationship? Because I'm not so sure that most general managers had that kind of relationship with their team. I mean, he was a very engaging man, as you know, uh, very open, very honest, decent guy. Uh, I, 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 when I saw you talk about him, it seemed like, you know, you just knew that this was a, if I had to work for somebody, if I had to have a general manager, he was maybe the guy for me. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's the, probably the biggest reason why I was able to stick around for all, all those years. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm extremely grateful that, you know, I got to have him as a general manager, uh, how he treated people. Uh, I, you know, an amazing person. Uh, and I have so much respect for not just how he treats people, how he treated me, uh, but what he's done for this organization. When... Uh did you reach out to him when you were making this decision or did he i'm sure you got texts from everybody and calls and all that kind of stuff but uh, uh and i know it's a private thing and you, you know me but i'm i i live for this stuff <laughs> did uh, uh did you share like a good moment or did he say something to you or have you you know when he reached out to you because i'm sure he did how how did is that when maybe you became a little too emotional when well i don't you know, we, we texted a little bit, uh, which was nice. Uh, but again, uh, you know, uh, we had a good relationship. Uh, and I think, you know, Ken's got a good relationship with all his players. When you look back, and uh, I know I keep saying when you look back, and it's tough for me to even say that, uh, you went through, you know, kind of a transitional period. You know, you played on some very, very good Red Wing teams, Stanley Cup winning teams. Uh, towards the end here, uh, you know, the Red Wings, uh, you know, uh, success caught up with them more than anything, and that's just, uh, that's just going to happen. But the thing that I really admired about you is during the rough times the last couple of years, you were always available. You were always out there to talk. You, you, you know, you're very, very accountable. Um, how important was that not only for you but to, to be – the, and I'll say this, uh, when, when, when Henrik had to retire, unfortunately, uh, prematurely, to be, if, there, if there was going to be a C, or if there was a C the last couple of seasons, it was definitely you, even though you didn't really have it, but to, to step up and lead this team. Well, I think, I, I think it comes with the territory. If you're one of the older guys on the team, um, I just, it, comes with, it comes with the job, so to speak. Uh, it's your responsibility to be one of the guys that talk after games. Uh, but I mean, let's be honest, it wasn't just me. There were a lot of other guys that did the same thing. Uh, so I think that just comes with the territory. How did it change? Because I know you and, and, and Henrik are tight and very, very close. When he had to step away, and obviously he didn't want to, uh, uh, how did your role change on the team and how did it just how did that environment change for you when you did not have, you know, one of your good friends no longer is playing? Well, I think, I hope my that my role, I don't know if it really changed at all, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I didn't try to, I am who I am, I believe. Don't try to be someone you're not. Uh, so I don't think I really changed much. I hope I didn't. Uh, but well, did you feel you had to take more responsibility on, or, or, or you were pretty much the? I mean, you've always been accountable. I, I think you're not shy to say anything to anybody if you need if something needs to be said. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I, th I think that's something that I did even when Henrik was here. So I don't know if that ever changed. Uh, and I don't think I I try to do more now because he was gone. I don't I don't think so. Um, Again, don't try to be someone you're not. 
uh, and I think every guy in the locker room, you know, is a leader itself. Uh, some people are just a little bit more vocal. Some people lead in different ways. Uh, yeah. When you look at uh, maybe a maturation process of Dylan Larkin, it seemed like last year his uh, his fourth year in the league, everything started to really come together for him. He has an incredible work ethic. Uh, how much did Dil did Dylan rely on veterans because he's always, when you talk to him, he's always talking about the leadership in the room and he's not including himself. He's talking about specifically, you know, you and Abby and is, as you said, some of the guys that, that were wearing letters. How is that relationship? Um, do our young players, are you glad when a young player reaches out to you or do you feel compelled that you have to maybe initiate that? Well, I think that is from player to player. Some people f want to reach out, they want to talk and whatever. And on other hand, other occasions, other players, you need to be the one that are kind of starting things, so to speak. Uh, but Larks, I think Larks has benefited so much from just from the years that he got with Hank. Right. You know, sitting next to Hank and, and being around Henrik on an everyday. Uh, and that's not just Larkin, by the way, that's every single guy in that locker room. Uh, you know, to be around, to see how he handles himself in, in all different aspects, not just on the ice, but off the ice, with fans, with media, um, with teammates, opponents, referees. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and to be able to see that firsthand, how Henrik handled it, uh, I think is huge for Larks. You know, the, looking back at my interactions with, with Henrik over the years, he always seems to not hold back, but he always gets kind of a little wry smile, and you know he wants to say something, but he doesn't say it. Or if he does say it, he says it after, or maybe you'll know, you'll pull me aside and say, you know, you know, and we'll start laughing or something about that. His personality, I think, one of the shame is, and when when guys and you is that. I'm privileged to get to know you and like you and, you know, have interactions that are more than just hockey. And I, and I cherish those. I really do. But there's a lot going on that do you – is it difficult sometimes where you really just want to speak your mind? Not that you don't, but I hopefully I, – I know this is kind of a rambling question, but I can tell that sometimes you want to say more, but you hold back a little bit. Is that difficult to do? Because most of the things that you're going to say uh, tend to be kind of very observant, but kind of funny too. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, there's definitely times that you're holding back. No question about that. Uh, I think that goes without saying. I think if you ask every single guy, would say the same things. There are times that maybe you want to say something else or something different, but there's no need to say those things, right? Uh, so. Uh, yeah, I think that there's there's going to be those times when, when you may want to say a little bit more, but you don't. You know, there were times that you would say, you know, we got to play a full 60. You know, you would say, you know, it would almost sound redundant because the same things were happening over and over and over. How difficult is that for you to, uh, I know you want to change it and you're trying to change it, but, you know, coming out every day and facing facing people and, and saying the saying the same thing. Right, exactly. <laughs> saying the same thing over and over. I mean, just hit play on the cliche list. And <laughs> uh, no, but it, it definitely because you feel ridiculous after a while. You know, uh, you keep saying the same thing, and those are the times where you just you know enough talking. We keep saying the same thing. Uh, you guys don't want to hear it. You want to hear something else. But unfortunately, we are where we're at, and you know those times that were rougher than others during the year um you know what else are you supposed to say because it's it's all right there right you know so yeah there, there's definitely times when you felt like you just kept repeating yourself um but you know it is what it is when you uh, i i think back to uh certain moments and the last couple of seasons uh, you, we, you know, your knee is um, is kind of a chronic situation for you. Uh, were you amazed that the last two years, because everyone was hoping you'd play every game, and you missed the first three games of the season, and then you played what seventy nine more, or or you and you didn't miss a game. 
last year, by all accounts, everybody thought that you had maybe perhaps one of your best season in a number of years because you just went out there. You were, you know, I hate, I know you hate this, but cornwalling people again. And uh, uh, did you surprise yourself with the, the way your body responded and that you were able to uh, uh, play 79 games the last two years? Uh, surprise. <laughs> I'm glad I, I was able to feel like I did last year. Um, I, there's no denying that. Uh, my body actually felt probably better than it had for a few years. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm happy about that. Uh, of course, not happy with any of the end results as far as our, our season as a whole. Uh, we had way too many ups and downs. Um, there are a lot that, that I think we could have been a lot better as players at times. Um, but it's also, you know, a good learning curve. Uh, I think despite that, or, or some of our young guys had their best seasons and they took major strides in their, their own development. When you look at it, the, um, how important Jeff Blaschel talks about it, but I, I, it'd be interesting to get your perspective too. If Larkin, Mantha, and Bertuzzi can, can be, become not only the number one line on this hockey club, but one of the dominant, definitive number one lines in the National Hockey League, how... Um, how does that kind of maybe, I don't know, there's always pressure, but kind of ease maybe things, almost an umbrella effect. You know, you can build from the, the way down if these guys are at the top. Yeah, that's, you know, you, you, you got to have a good first line. You got to have the number one center. Now we got Larkin. Uh, so we can build around him. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious and I'm anxious for the season to get started to see what not just Larkin can do, but what they as a line can do. Because um, they have, they really have everything uh, as far as all the tools. Uh, and I thought, you know, down the stretch last year, I know, you know, teams were maybe not going as hard or whatever against us. Uh, but they played, they played very, very good down the stretch. Yeah, you know, let me. There's like two schools of thought: is that okay? Hey, they're loosey goosey because they have nothing to play for. They're, you know, they're out of the playoff racers, but. I kind of look at it, and maybe because I'm always eternally optimistic, but they didn't tank it. I mean, they still played. They still competed hard. I mean, I know some people, well, no, you got to tank for a draft pick, and boom, 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 boom. But the goal of a professional athlete, no matter where you're at in the standings, is every time you go out there is to compete as hard as you can and win the game. Yeah, that whole tanking thing doesn't work for players. You go out on the ice and you try to win the game. It's, you, you love competing. Um, would it be better to end up, you know, farther down in the standings so you get a higher draft pick? Probably. It doesn't work like that. Guys cannot go out on the ice and try to lose. It just doesn't work. Well, especially especially you. I mean, I, I could see, and I, and I would imagine, and some athletes have told me, and this is actually different sports, that if they thought a guy was kind of, you know, kind of half – assing it pardon me but uh that that has a way of filtering out in practice or the team kind of takes care of that uh is it is, 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 is i guess that would hold true for for any sport i mean if you think a guy needs to pick it up uh somehow he gets the message oh yeah that that usually comes across very clear so that's never been an issue around here Dave, have you ever had to i don't know call somebody out or talk to somebody or or, or, or maybe approach and see, I, I would think this. I would think that you would approach and say, hey, so-and-so, hey, something up because, you know, something going on here because you're just, you're such a much better player than, or the effort just doesn't seem to be there, and I know that you have it. I mean, have you ever had to have that kind of speech? Well, I, th I think in different shape or forms, I think everyone has. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, the message is pretty clear. You're better than this. And that person probably knows it too. Just look yourself in the mirror. That's it. But coming from you, would I, I think it would carry some weight, wouldn't it? Or would you like to think so? Or Yeah, I mean, that. maybe. I hope so. Uh, but you'll have to ask other people about that. Uh, but like I said, we haven't had to, to do it very many times. Uh, I think guys in general are very accountable, working hard. Uh, working hard is something that you can do every single day. You know, you, you, I know eventually, hey, I, 
it seems that a lot of Sweden, beautiful country, that a lot of you guys go back home uh, eventually. You know, you stay for maybe for a couple of years. I know Homer was assistant coach here for like a couple of development camps. And, you know, I was surprised, but he, he eventually left. You have at this point decided to stay here and become part of the organization. Um, why not go back to Sweden? Why not go, you know, I mean, what, 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 has, what does Detroit, I guess, mean to you? Well, Detroit means a lot to me. I, I spent most of my my adult life here, uh, so you know this. F- it feels like a second home for us. You know, our, our both our kids are born here. Uh, they have all their friends, their schools. Uh, we have friends. It's it's a good spot. We're not ready to to move back yet, uh, and we'll see. Uh, you know, we're not printing anything or setting anything in stone if we're moving back or not, but. We'll see. You know, Nick Lindstrom told me a great story. He he would say in the summer he would tell his his, his sons he go okay we're we're going back home to Sweden for the summer you know and they they'd be all excited and stuff and they say okay yeah we're going home we're going home and they go no home Detroit we're going on vacation <laughs> and you know he said it was, it was very very difficult for them to not think that Detroit was their home yeah. uh, and you said your sons are uh, they're, they're born here and they're, 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 they're all about Detroit so when you're going through this process you decide Steve said we give him as much time as he wants did you know when did it kick in that you wanted to retire or it was the right time when did that process did you because no one knew we just didn't know you know we I guess the, the, the you know, media thought maybe the longer it goes on He's probably going to retire, but then again, well, maybe he's not. Maybe he's working out, and he's just, you know, he's just under the assumption that there's no pressure on me. I don't have to say it one way or another. Hmm. Uh, when did it really click in that you that you were you had played your last game last season? Well, I th- I think even you know the final decision, you know, wasn't until not long ago. But I think you know looking back during the whole process, I think even even a year ago. Uh, you know, that summer leading up to last season, you know, was the last year of my deal. Uh, I wanted to try to be as healthy as I could, give myself a chance to to have a decent year. Um, the fact that, you know, another year was even on the table was, was very humbling. And, and uh, you know, I, I was happy about that. Uh, but even, you know, during the last game of the, of the season last year, you know, I, I knew that this this could have been it. Maybe this was the last game. Uh, I didn't know for a fact, but I definitely knew that maybe this was the last one. You're you're so close to a thousand. I think 953 uh, games is it, a milestone. If you didn't have these freakish injuries in the beginning of your career, you would have been well over a thousand games played in the NHL. Did you kind of, when you considered it, was that thousand game mark part of your decision? Do you think, or, or do you look at yourself and say, "Hey, Nick, a thousand games is nice, but you know, it's time." Uh, both yes and no. I think that a thousand games. I have so much respect for guys that have played a thousand games because uh, I do think it's a pretty amazing number. Uh, in saying that, you know, you sign on and you play another year maybe you get hurt maybe you don't play like there are a lot of variables that goes into it that that have to click uh, as far as for you to reach a thousand games still 47 games that's a lot of games Um, so even if I would have signed up for another year maybe I wouldn't gotten to a thousand anyway Um, so I don't know I think there's different ways to look at it but that was definitely one of the things that was on the plus side if I was going to keep playing you know and when you make the decision, you, you notify you the Red Wings, you notify Steve. Does he say, well, okay, Nick, I certainly respect that. Uh, you know, I, maybe I'd like, you know, deep down, I'd like to see you play another year, but it's certainly your call. Uh, I have a job for you. Or how did it come about that, you know, that, you know, that, that you're part of the organization, which obviously, considering where the blue line is at now, the Red Wing blue line, with guys, you know, just father time catches up with all of us, as I like to say, uh, it's going to go through a major overhaul. It's going to go through a major transition to have you part of this organization to help oversee that. Guys like you, Yuri Fisher, I mean, some premium high-end defensemen from the National Hockey League, 
were you surprised that the Red Wings wanted wanted you to become part of the group, or were you? I'm sure you're happy, but how did that all kind of shake down? Well, I think it's one of you know, one of the conversations we had. Uh, some I don't remember exactly how it all happened, but uh, you know, he, he asked me, you know, what did I want to do now, and and I said, you know, I'd probably like to stay in hockey somehow, and and here we are. Now, do. You, You've got everything out in front of you yet. I mean, do you see yourself scouting, coaching, management level? Do you want to own a team? Uh, have you have you have you thought that you know is that too much of a headache? You know, dealing with uh, uh, you have enough of your own problems than to deal with uh, you know like twenty five guys or something. Oh, yeah. But uh, where do you see it leading? I guess. Well, I think initially, uh, initially, I'd like to learn as much as possible how things how it works with the scouting uh development side how they work uh gonna try to uh join them for a few trips to to gr see the young guys there and, and keep in touch with the young guys especially the defensemen see how they're doing uh how they feel on the ice how they feel off the ice uh, like you said we have a lot of prospects now a lot of good young D that that can become pretty special. So I look forward to to working closer with them. Now, will if you go to GR, would would you be compelled to go on the ice during a practice session, or you talk to Ben Simon and say, "Hey Ben, I think I can, you know, let me talk to you know so and so." You know, I, I've noticed a few things. I was at last night's game, or or do you do you see you yourself doing that on thing? Uh, are you going to be more hands off, or are you going to be hands on? I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think I think. I'm not sure how it's going to play out. Uh, you know, I, I think I've said a few times that I don't see myself going on the ice too much, but just being up here at the camp, at camp and, and watching these young guys, um, I can definitely see myself going on the ice now uh, and be more hands-on that way. When you go on the ice without trying to give away trade secrets, what will you be trying to teach them or tell them? Is it more a fundamental thing or is it more of a of a mindset thing where you're just trying to teach them maybe whether you say hey I've watched you play just calm down you have maybe a little more time than you think or what do you what do you think that you know I guess what do young players really need to work on well there's different things for every every player every individual is different um, some some guys need to work on gap control some guys need to get better at boxing out in front of the net. Some guys need to get better at making that first tape-to-tape pass quicker. Uh, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, but and, and I think all that is something that, you know, you look at. Um, just work on really everything. Uh, a lot of, you know, small tricks in your own zone around the net, around the boards. How uh, you can lock guys to stick uh, up without getting caught on the wrong end uh, I think there's a lot that that can be taught uh, and I'm hoping that I can bring something to the table yeah I, I, I want to move uh, I, I know you will I mean certainly I mean I you know I don't think it's you know Steve's giving you a job it's not lip service I mean he sees something in you and wants you part of this organization and rightly so uh, I asked Nicholas German I'm going to ask Nicholas Cromwell now I said, who was the toughest player you ever had to defend? And he always said Yarmer Yard because he had a big butt. <laughs> he said you could never get the puck from him. Well, you, and you've played against some very, very high-end talent from guys like Connor McDavid to Sidney Crosby, guys really in their prime and so much more. I don't want to leave anybody out. Uh, is there one player that does stand out? Uh, there are a lot of players that stand out, a lot of players that are tough to play against. Uh, Malkin, when he's on his game, is just because he's got the size. Getzlaff right. left for me was also a guy that, you know, he had the size, the reach, and he could, you know, run you over at the same time. Uh, pretty amazing mix in one player, actually. Uh, Connor McDavid with the speed. Uh, there's And Crosby with just everything. Uh, the, there's difficult things with different players. You know, because uh, I, I, I want to say, because... Without like without your own players, you know, without without your favorites or your or your buddies, you know, they can't be part of this group. Is Sidney Crosby the most complete hockey player? Because he seemed to have a knack, especially when he plays for Team Canada, 
to get he he lives for those moments. You know, Patrick Kane actually is another one who who kind of lives for those moments. But I guess Patrick Kane he's a little bit of a smaller guy. So is a I mean, does it, does he present his own unique challenges too? But let me get back. I, I know I'm jumping around, Nick, and I, I apologize, but uh, I'm getting really all worked up. But is is Crosby the most complete player? You think? I in my mind, yes, absolutely. I still think he's the best player in the NHL. Really? Yeah. Because he's so complete. Uh, McDavid, probably a bigger talent. Uh, but Crosby, he's got three cups. He's won, what, Olympic golds to left and right? Like right. Where, where, Whatever he does, he wins. Period. Uh, and some guys just have it. Really? Just so when you... Uh Look at some of these young stars. You know, you're, you're talking about it. You know, uh, you know, Toronto seems to have a, a, a bunch of young forwards. Uh, um, I, let me go. Let me go down here. Years ago, I was doing a, my radio show uh, in Studio P, which was the bathroom studio at Joe Louis Arena. Uh, I was working with Doug Karsh at the time in the Big Show, and John Hahn, the, the 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 PR director for the Red Wings, said, "Hey, we got a couple of guys here, a couple of Swedish kids that." You know, we're going to sign, and I don't know, maybe maybe Henrik was signed. Uh, the, we brought him over for the 2002 Western Conference Final against Colorado, which is Statue of Liberty, legendary series. Probably the best hockey I've ever seen in my life was those, uh, was those seven games. And they said, would you, he said, would you like to talk to them? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, I'm, I'm game. Yeah, I'll talk to anybody. You know that. And lo and behold, who come in are these two fresh-faced kids from Sweden Henrik Zetterberg and Nicholas Cromwell. I always have remembered that. I know I bring it up to you constantly, but you were so happy, so happy to be there. And you just had this great smile on your face. Henrik was also happy, but a little bit more reserved. Uh, I'm going, take me back to 2002, where, where you were at at that point in your life and in your mind and what you thought was going to happen to this moment here at Center Ice Arena in 2019 as a grizzled veteran hockey player, very well established. I mean, you know, I, I can't believe, first of all, I can't believe it was, what, 17 years ago or something that, uh, yeah. you know, over 17 yeah. that we sat down. But, and I remember one of you got up after the interview was over and said, this is the first time we've ever did an interview in English or something like yeah. that. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and I've kept bringing it up, but I have also felt I've always had a kind of a special bond with both of you guys, specifically because of that interview. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, you know, I, 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 I looked out for you. I watched your careers. You know, that's why when you, you had that devastating injury against the Kings, they weren't even sure they were going to tell me because they knew that I was going to take it really, really hard, <laughs> which, which I did. But, uh, you know, because... You look basically the same. You're a little bit older. I mean, I guess we all are. But nose uh, is a little different. Yeah, the nose. Yeah, the <laughs> you know, it's like, not as bad as the Ted Lindsay nose. But I, I, but really, that evolution process. I mean, I saw you. I don't think I've ever seen anybody as happy as you were that day. I and I know it wasn't to sit down to do an interview with me. Uh, and to where you are today. I mean, what an extraordinary career and what a life you've had. Yeah. No, that's been. It's been a pretty awesome ride, uh, no doubt. Uh, but, you know, me being happy that day, I mean, I, I was in Detroit. I was, you know, I'd just gotten out, I think, out of Detroit Red Wings locker room. Stanley Cup, you know, conference finals. That was a big deal. <laughs> uh, Hank was probably more reserved because he, he might be a little bit more reserved as a, as a person itself. But... You know, he had also signed. He knew he was going to be in that room, right. you know, the following year. For me, it was still, I wouldn't say out of reach, but it was, it was, I wasn't there yet. Right. Um, I was just amazed with the whole experience of being there, watching games. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden you get thrown into the locker room with these, this team full of Hall of Famers. Uh, it's pretty awesome. When you... But are they approachable, or do you, as happy as you are, do you take a step back? Are you are you shy? Do you want to say something? Uh, how do you try to interact with them? Because I would imagine you look, you know, you see, you know, uh, especially that team, Eiserman, Hull, Chelios. I mean, I can go on, you know, Shani, uh, Sergey, uh, you know, Nick. Uh, I mean, it just it, the, the list was endless in that room. Yeah. No, it sure was. No, I, I, 
I want to think that I took a more approach of kind of speak when spoken to, uh, you know, say hi, be polite, but don't speak too much. <laughs> you know, I do, I've never asked either one I could one be wrong. You should probably talk to some of the guys that were in that room at the time. Yeah. Oh, well, don't, don't worry. I'll ask Steve. Uh, but <laughs> I was kind of curious about what you uh, – or, or Yuri. I could ask Yuri, too. Um, did Scotty say anything to you guys? I mean, he's in the throes of this big Western Conference final. But did he pull you aside? Did you have much interaction with him? Because – he he was a wild card. You never knew exactly what Scotty was going to do, obviously. But uh, I mean, how was that experience meeting Scotty Bowman? Honestly, I don't remember too much about it. Really? Uh, yeah, uh, we probably just said hi, and and those. I now I might be way off. I mean, that, a little bit of a blur too when the time there, because everything was just right, kind of amazing. Uh, so. There were a lot of things that happened those days that that I don't even remember, uh, but they were so cool. You know, you you you, you very accomplished players. We said greatest feeling winning that cup in two thousand eight was that uh, uh, your greatest hockey memory or moment. I mean, obviously winning, or is Absolutely. there something else that you just really just loved or cherished, whether it's camaraderie yeah. or something? Well, the camaraderie, I think that goes without saying. Um, Winning the cup is, yeah, I don't even, you can't explain it, you know. You're battling for so hard for so long, and it's it's this whole thing, you're, you know, you're doing it with your with your friends, you know, not just your friends, but the trainers, the, like the fans, like it, it's just, it's not just you players, there's so many people that are involved and invested in this, and to stand there and, and you know, just kind of look back you know, we did it. Uh, but at the same time, once that last game is over, you know, you wake up the next morning, you're like, now what do we do? Right. Because you're so focused and you're so in this little world of your own, uh, focusing on, on the next day, the next day, the next day, and now all of a sudden it's just no more. You know, the Red Wings never seem to, because they've won, you know, back-to-back and you came on, I don't want to bring up 2009. It still pains me uh, losing that game seven. And, you know, the great, you know, uh, flourish. Nick, I thought Nick was going to tie it up there right at the end, uh, Nicholas uh, uh, Lidstrom. But that that cup hangover. But the Red Wings never seem to have that. I mean, you follow up 2008 with a great 2009. Uh, or yeah, but let's it? be honest. We had, we had Marion Hose on the team who we got from Pitt. And he carried us for the first start of the year. Well, he had something, there, to, play. He had something to play for. There's no denying that he was unbelievable. Uh, and he definitely did carry us at the start. <laughs> but it must be good when, I mean, essentially. But we had such a good team, you know. Like, we had, we had, we really had all the pieces in line. Uh, and then you add Hosa. It's a pretty good addition to what we already had. Uh, and, you know, back then, you know, look at Tampa last year. They knew they were going to win most games. Right. They just knew they were going to win most nights. And that's the feeling that we had back then. Uh, and I, I'm not trying to sound cocky or anything, but right. it was just a feeling in the room. I, I think there came a point during this terrific run in, in the players and the rosters that the Red Wings had where I really felt – that when you needed a goal, you guys could turn it on and turn it off. I mean, and that's got to be, I mean, you've got to think to yourself, my God, I am on a t- historic team here. This is, because this is not normal. This is not the norm, is that we're able to pretty much, and, you know, and Scotty always said something to me interesting about all those teams, is that we could play any way you want to play. Mm-hmm. We'll even let you dictate the play, yeah. because we can do that, and we can do it better than you. That's as I said, that's got to be extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. No, it was just it was some special years there that we had. Uh, you know, we had some good teams. There's, there's, we had. I was fortunate, and let's be honest, we had Nick Lidstrom, Pavel Datsuk, and Henrik Sedberg right. in their prime. Right, right. I don't care what you surround those three guys with, but I think you'll be better, pretty, pretty good off, regardless. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to be, be a downer here. We're going to end this soon, but I, I, I'm, 
you know, dis biggest disappointment, not repeating in 2009, losing it. I mean, I, I, sometimes I know I'm Captain Obvious here, but uh, I can remember talking to Ozzy through that whole playoff run. And, you know, I, and, you know he really, when he came back, he was, you know, he was a great, great goaltender in 2008 and 2009. His playoff runs were, were incredible. But as high as you are the year before, I guess it doesn't go any lower than losing it in Game 7 at home. Yeah, that was definitely a, a tough one. Um, another tough one. Like, you know, there, there are a few things that stand out, you know, as far as the, the negatives, so to speak, the, mm -hmm. the bad losses. That's definitely the one. Another one, losing to Chicago in Game 7. Uh, I went down a block shot, goes off my my calf or whatever it was and it bounces in uh we were up 3-1 that series i still to this day think that we should have won that series uh, i agree because we we just had a we played our system to a t and we gave ourselves a chance uh but we couldn't close the close the lid um so that's another another tough one and to go back to just jump back to the you know obviously winning the cup was the peak of everything but you know the outdoor games are also things that that are the greatest memories I've ever had as a hockey player for sure. The uh, the all, game all three of them are I think it was three or was four maybe even. Well, you guys were always playing outdoors. It seemed like. I mean, yeah, you, you're, 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 I mean, you're one of the premier teams in the league, and the ratings are always through the roof, even till this day when the Red Wings yeah. are on. No, it's definitely awesome. Those those games are just. And I remember thinking when when I heard about it the first time that we were gonna play outdoors. My first thing was, why? <laughs> it's gonna be freezing. It's gonna be cold. It's gonna just be not a good, good experience. After the game, I think most of the guys were like, "That was unreal. Let's do it again right now." First game was Chicago. Chicago Wrigley Field, yeah. Right, and then the Ann Arbor game against Toronto. I still think out of all the Winter Classics, and I'm partial because the Red Wings were involved in it and it was at the University of Michigan, uh, but the environment for that, it couldn't have been better. I mean, the snow, yeah. I mean, everything about that, that was truly in the true definition of what a Winter Classic should be. Unfortunately, the Red Wings lost that game in, I think it was a shootout or something, but yeah. uh, uh, it doesn't get much better than no, that. I, I, and I couldn't agree with you more. With the snow and how cold it was it was just so many things that were aligned and you know just an amazing experience well, unreal and, and everybody who came back you had two alumni games at comerica park yeah. i mean it was truly uh, a winter carnival or festival i mean what effect does that have on you i mean is the game i know the game is always primary and foremost in your mind but you get caught up in this atmosphere and say my gosh this is really a historic moment I think at the time that you know you're, you're so kind of focused on the game itself, uh, but at the same time you know there are a couple of times when you look up in the stands during the uh, timeouts or whatever you look, wow, this is awesome. Just the fact that you have one side that's blue and one side that's red, unreal, unreal. No, that was, yeah, I, yeah I, I I loved that Winter Classic by far. It was just you know everything everything aligned. Yeah. The only bad thing about it was eventually the Red Wings only got a point in that game mm -hmm. instead of two. Yeah. Um, your relationship with the Detroit fans was special simply because this is a hardworking town, blue collar town as we know. Uh, people really respect people that work hard. You obviously did that, and obviously the body checks that you delivered. Can you kind of elaborate maybe on how special being a Red Wing was to you? Uh, well, I think it's there's so many things that go into it. Um, you know, the relationship, I think everything goes back to, like you said, people, people are hard workers around here, great people. People treat each other with respect. They work hard, and I think that's something. Regardless of your profession, I think that's something you can. <coughs> they should expect that each and every day. It's something that everybody can do. Uh, but people around here are just kind, good people, work hard. 
and we've gotten to know some amazing people along the road. So uh, I'm very, very happy and, and fortunate to, to say I've been a part of this. What's it been like here in Traverse City when people see you? I mean, I would imagine if people see you, and you're always very approachable, uh, do they thank you? Do they want to just thank you, wish you luck? Uh, I mean, since you've announced your retirement, what has that reaction been like? Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of congrats, um, which is very nice. Um, you know, and seeing some of the fans here up in the stands, you know, these are fans that have been coming here for years, mm -hmm. people that you see each and every year. Uh, so it's always nice. It's always special to come up here. Um, and, of course, it's been a little bit different this year. When uh, it all gets real, when we start playing, you know, the preseason games, jobs are available, uh, what – from what you have seen, and I know it's very early on, what do you think is a realistic expectation level for the team this year? I think that we're going to surprise a lot of people, actually. I like our lineup. Uh, I think we got a deeper team than we've had in a few years, uh, quite a few years, actually. Uh, and it's going to be exciting, you know, to watch these, these young guys take the next step. Uh, and we got young guys that are pushing for spots, both on D and, and on, uh, on offense. You know, I'm going to put you out on a limb here, and I, I probably shouldn't. I mean, if Mo Sider ends up – I know he said that he wanted to stay in North America this year, either Detroit or Grand Rapids. He kind of backtracked a little bit and said, well, if Germany is a possibility, I too, I guess. Uh, could he – I always say the Red Wings need to catch a real break on a player. If he is in Grand Rapids and adapts well, is it inconceivable that he could come up to Detroit? I don't even think for a nine-game audition, you know. I even asked Steve this, you know. He thinks I'm crazy, I'm sure. But uh, has he shown enough where he might be a quick study and he might be on a fast track to the NHL? Well, I think it's so hard to tell. Uh, I think he definitely stood out during the Prospects tournament. And now we've had, what, three pract uh, two practices and a red and white game. There's definitely something special there. I, I, I don't think there's an, any denying that. Uh, how fast... Can it go? I don't know. But you don't want to rush a guy either. I think it's something to be said for taking the time and doing it right. Uh, but, they, but then again, you know, if he's, he's, if he's too good to pass on, then he's too good to pass on. Uh, but time will tell. Um, final question. Why does Valtteri Filppula look identical to the day he left the Detroit room for the last time and went to Tampa? I mean, he, he hasn't changed at all, right? Is it just me? No. He, he, he hasn't aged a bit. I think he looks a little older. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Do you, do, really? Do you really? I, I, no. Uh, <laughs> Phil, uh, getting Phil back, huge, to me, huge addition. Uh, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a true pro. He's going to be great for the young guys to be around him. You know, with with Hank stepping down, you know, you still have Nielsen, but getting Phil Pla back, uh, seeing how he handles himself in all the different aspects of the game on and off the ice. Um, he just knows how to play. Such a smart player. Uh, he's he, he's going to mean more to this team than people uh, think he is well I, you know I, I hated to see him go the first time I mean I know he's yeah, a restricted free I'm agent to each to yeah. each his own uh, and now Henrik moved back to Sweden but you know he's here he seems to be like the happiest man on the planet every time every, every time I see him I know I said last question but this will be it your relationship your bond with him is uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure you have a lot of best buds, you know, and, and, and kids you grew up with and, you know, people that you've met here. But your relationship with Zetterberg is pretty special. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, we we before we started playing here together, uh, we played some uh, the junior nationals a little bit and then played against him for quite a few years uh, before before we both came over here. Um, and then, you know, you're two Swedish guys somewhat similar age uh, so it, it's been it's been fun and I, I i hope that you know our friendship is something that's going to last a very long time really um nick cromwell I, I don't know i said a half hour i probably it's probably we're probably on hour number three right now uh but i really appreciate it i wanted to do this a long time we, we really had in plans the last and i'm not exaggerating the last three years yeah uh to do this with with henrik who wanted to do it back in Studio P at at at, at Joe Louis Arena, but uh, well, 
not, we can't do it now obviously the, the building's being torn down but uh, uh, you know eventually I'll get the, the two of you back together and uh, and we'll do this again but I I just want to thank you just for being such a great hockey player uh, you know I'm a native Detroiter and to have a person like you wear my team's uniform you know the red and white I mean I've been a Red Wing fan ever since you know I'm so old now it's before I can even remember you know uh, but I truly appreciate it uh, I, I loved not only watching you play as a player, but interacting with you, getting to know you. You're, you're kind, you're gracious, uh, you're just top-notch human being and really, truly one of the good guys. And uh, I wish you nothing but success. And I appreciate you being on the Red and White Authority. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Art. Thanks for having me.